I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guests are Mark Laurie and Vinny Barrara, co-founders of Diapers.com, the online retail site specializing in baby products. Mark and Vinny started Diapers.com in 2005, and Amazon bought the parent company, Quitsy, for $540 million in 2010. Quitsy also owns other e-commerce sites, including Soap.com, focused on cleaning supplies, Wag.com, focused on pet products, and Yoyo.com, specializing in toys. Quitsy is based in Jersey City, New Jersey. Welcome. Thank you. You both grew up in New Jersey, and you met each other for the first time as friends in elementary school. What appealed to you about each other? We met in uh, when we were 10 years old in fifth grade, and I think early on we, we were both big Yankee fans and both into sports, like playing sports, any sport basically, and so I think that was one of the first things that definitely connected us. I think when Mark first came, by the way, he came in, uh, I was at that school beforehand, and I remember you know, coming in from Staten Island, so this was the school was in Tinton Falls by the Jersey Shore, and Mark was always a little bit different, or started out different. He was this brash kid, you know, definitely an athlete. He had a lot of spunk, and uh, I was more shy and introverted. So I don't know, in those early years, uh, we were friends, but I think we became much closer. Yeah, as the uh, years went on. Yeah, right? in high school. And then after that, you know, we did a lot of stuff together. We studied abroad. We lived together in New York for a year. Uh, we were each other's, uh, you know, best men at each other's weddings. So very close. At what point did you first uh, start talking about building a business together? I think it was probably in 1999. I was a banker at the time, making, you know, very good money. He was on a great career path. He was a lawyer. Same thing, situation there. And uh, we just asked ourselves, do we want to be doing this for the next 30, 40 years? Yeah, you did have a diverse professional life before starting your first company together. Mark, as you mentioned, you were an investment banker. And you, Vinny, uh, you were a lawyer. And um, you helped to draft the uh, distribution plan for the $1.25 billion settlement, which was a class action lawsuit initiated by the victims of the Holocaust against the Swiss banks. Can you talk briefly about that that case and that experience? Yeah, that was great. I had started, as you mentioned, as a, as a litigator at a large firm and then went to a smaller firm, and I was given the opportunity uh, to work on a team of four or five lawyers recommending a plan to the judge uh, to figure out how to distribute this pool of money, which might seem like a lot, $1.25 billion, but but actually was quite small in the scheme of things given the number of victims. And so, um, you know, we were trying to do that in a way which fit the law, but at the same time, also trying to figure out a way that we would do this in a manner that was fair and equitable and would have meaning to the victims because given the fact there were so many, what we the last thing we wanted to do was give, you know, five dollars or, or something small to each to each person. Our recommendation was 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 uh, to give the majority of the proceeds to the folks in Eastern Europe who, who we thought had suffered uh, quite a bit and hadn't gotten through some of the other cases um, most of the proceeds. So it was a great experience. Were you feeling the same professionally as Mark was um, when you decided, you know what, let's let's start a company together? Like, what was your state of mind at the time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, as Mark mentioned, it was the late '90s. It was the internet heyday. Uh, we actually had another friend that was one of our co-founders, and and I was single at the time, uh, and thought, you know, this was just a great opportunity to take a risk, be able to work with your best friends. And, uh, and take a shot at a business we thought you know made sense. And so I don't know how much thinking, quite frankly, I think I was 28 years old or something, uh, I was doing. I just, we were a little bit spontaneous. Um, we didn't take a salary or anything. It was just, it was pretty, I think pretty rash yeah, decision. Yeah, right? yeah. 
So this company that you first started was ThePit.com, and it was an online collectibles stock market for, let's say, sh- trading sports cards. And you mentioned before your, your interest in, in baseball. You're both avid uh, Yankee fans. Uh, the company was sold to Tops, where you both were working. I guess there was uh, an agreement when the company mm-hmm. was bought you had to work there. At what point did the idea for uh, Diapers.com originate? I think the idea probably started around 2003, Mm-hmm. I think. So it was a couple of years before we actually launched it. We started talking about it, thinking about it. One, one thing was funny is I remember I was I had just gotten married, as Mark said, in 2003, and, and I went on my honeymoon, and I think the day I got back, Mark had called me and said, I got, I got something. I got an idea. I want to go buy this domain name 1-800-DIAPERS. Actually, I want to go buy the phone number, I think, yeah. 1-800-DIAPERS. I don't remember how it was, five grand or something? Yeah, five grand. And, uh, and, you would, you know, and you would actually, at my, I think, wedding night. On the bus. On the, the bus, bus. On the On the party bus. I was throwing it out there. You were throwing it out there to all, all, of, all of my <laughs> friends who <laughs> thought you were crazy. Um, so I, I was ruminating you know, during my wedding honeymoon. So when we came back, as I recall, at the end of you know, in 03 is when we uh, actually did it. We bought the domain name in October of 2003. 1-800-diapers.com. That's right. We couldn't afford diapers.com at the time. Yeah. Mm, How much was it at the time? I mean, it was hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million. We we didn't actually look even into it. It was so expensive at that Mm. time. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Mark Laurie and Vineet Barrara, co-founders of the e-commerce company diapers.com. The company sells more than 40,000 baby products and was sold to Amazon in 2010. Diapers.com, it's an online retail site for all the types of baby supplies, but it is logistically very in- intensive. It's very exacting supply inventory system and shipping operations and customer service. And you need, you know, real efficiencies in order to be able to make money from essentially commodities. Can you describe what your warehouse looks like? Sure. We have three different warehouses. Um, each of them fully equipped with robots. The robots actually do and fetch all the product and bring it back to a picking station where somebody who's standing stationary picks from the shelves that were brought to them from these robots. You know, on, on the right side and the left side of this picker, there might be four or five uh, empty brown boxes that were brought there by robots. And so Based on what people order and knowing the sizes of the order, we have an algorithm that will go through and sort of fit it into the smallest box possible, like a little Rubik's Cube. And so the person will just see, it says, make box three. And then when the box is full, light flashes and says, now you've picked everything for this box. You hit the button, and the robot will then take the box to a place where it gets taped and dunnage. You know, the plastic stuff goes in there to protect it. And then it'll get automatically on conveyor put into whatever UPS, FedEx, or other truck that's waiting at one of the bays. So as you said, we built all our own proprietary technology, all our own inventory systems, all our own supply chain systems, this boxing software, all the things that we needed to do to, to squeeze every penny out of the supply chain. Because as you said, the commodity goods. How many robots are, are, are in each warehouse, roughly? I don't know the exact number, but there are hundreds of robots. And what do they look like? They're basically about maybe a foot high off the ground and maybe four feet long by three feet wide Mm -hmm. and capable of carrying thousands of pounds. There's like highways, digital highways throughout the entire warehouse that these robots are reading in order to know how to get to where they need to go. How did you know uh, how to build all this specialized software? Because you certainly didn't come from the logistics business prior. 
Well, we were fortunate that in our previous business, the pit, we had uh, a chief technology officer named Wei Yan, mm -hmm. and uh, we we uh, sort of uh, enlisted him early on to do all of our development and software um, programming. Gave him some equity because in the beginning we actually worked nights and weekends and hadn't quit our jobs. Um, so he was a mainstay in terms of doing all the technology. Now, you know, we talk about how efficient and high tech this whole system is, but it didn't always look this uh, this, this squeaky clean. Uh, you started off in a very ad hoc manner. Can you talk about the early days uh, when you just had launched 1-800-diapers.com? What did it look like? Well, in the very early days, uh, we actually didn't even have boxes. We actually had someone, a stay-at-home mom, uh, that we uh, hired to do the fulfillment and the customer service. So she would use Vonage. I don't know if you know that phone system. That would be our customer service. Uh, this is Gina DePaola? Yes, Gina. Okay. Gina. So she would use uh, Vonage to answer the calls, and she was the only rep. And so there would be times, you know, it took off a little <laughs> bit in the beginning, and customers would call, and the customer would say, hey... Um, can I speak to your supervisor? And of course, there was no supervisor. She, she would say, hang, hang on a second. And then she'd take a second and she'd come back and disguise her voice. <laughs> and, and, and you know, do a high-pitched voice and she'd be the supervisor. <laughs> uh, so it was, and, and again, and That's also she was, story. yeah, and she would do this out of her garage. And, um, and you know, she was a college friend of, of yours, Mark. College friend of my wife's. Of yeah. your wife's, yeah. Yeah, yeah so she, she was doing this out of her garage in, in, uh, in, in Long Island. And uh, the other thing was that um, you know, basically she was storing these, these cases of diapers on, a, on, her, on her lawn. And so there was a whole issue anytime it rained or anything like that, what do you do? And the tarp and her dad, it was, it was crazy, yeah. right? And so uh, those early days, we didn't have the logistics. Um, they said we didn't even have box. We'd strap the, bo the diapers and the, and the wipes together with, with uh, rope, basically. Yeah, right? things were moving so fast in the early stage that yeah. seriously, we didn't even think about things like rain. Mm -hmm. And it was just yeah. put it out on the lawn, you know, until we got the call. Did you just partner with, let's say, you know, these large uh, diaper uh, suppliers and uh, uh, no. baby products companies? Inventory? No, this is really funny. No, we, we Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark, which are the two biggest diaper manufacturers, they weren't able to sell us directly, or they didn't want to sell us directly for the first two years of the business. So we had to buy the product from BJ's Wholesale Club. You had to physically go into the store um, and put it on your credit card and pay for it. And in the beginning, it was fine, but it got to the point where one BJ's wasn't enough to satisfy our demand. We'd have to go to like four, five, six, seven BJ's and clean them out completely. But it was a long time before we were actually yeah. able to buy direct. Yeah, our parents, uh, we would use the parents' credit cards. So my dad, you know, Indian-American, is a sort of, uh, it's actually just Indian, I should say, huge accent would be going into these BJs and would be ordering you know, something like $80,000 worth of product. And these, But it was done in this odd thing where it was, it was sort of done, you know, not in the back room, it was almost like he was standing at the counter. And this receipt would come out, it would be like 10 feet long, you know, $80,000 of it. He'd call me like, I don't know, son, I got 200 BJ size three pampers, and we'd be like double checking this whole thing, and it was it was crazy. So the so was, and your dad too would be going. Oh yeah, my so dad would go in. We were just using any credit card we could, basically. So yeah. you essentially were were cash flow positive. You were getting a lot of cash from customers. Oh yeah, even it was perfect. We had no working capital. It's negative working capital. Yeah, we yeah. basically had we were getting paid in two days and didn't have to pay for it for thirty days. That's what kept us going. That's how we financed yeah. the business in large part, but. Unfortunately, we were it meant losing like five dollars, six dollars every box we sold. 
So those losses started to add up too. So here you are, you're hemorrhaging uh, money, uh, and you know that because this, these are these are basically commodities, it's very hard to make a profit uh, selling online. So what was your ultimate belief about the company? Yeah. That's a great question. I think the strategy early on we recognized was all about first a mission to make mom's life easier. So that meant you know overnight or two day shipping. You know, seventy seven percent of the country now is getting overnight, even some of it same day. So super fast delivery with a really top notch customer service experience. So three hundred sixty five day return policy, no questions at all. We have all customer service staff in our corporate office with us. We felt mm-hmm. like if we can ship the stuff fast at good prices with great customer service and a really wide assortment, that this is something that um, could make mom's life easier. And they, they sort of come back to the site over and over again. And we'd, from then, be able to sell them hopefully everything else that they might need. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Mark Laurie and Vinny Barrara, co-founders of Diapers.com. We'll hear more from Mark and Vinny coming up. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guests are Mark Laurie and Vinny Barrara, co-founders of Diapers.com, the online retail site specializing in baby products. Mark and Vinny started Diapers.com in 2005, and Amazon bought the parent company, Quitsy, for $540 million in 2010. Quitsy also owns other e-commerce sites, including Soap.com, focused on cleaning supplies, Wag.com, focused on pet products, and Yoyo.com specializing in toys. Quitsy is based in Jersey City, New Jersey. So this this was the ultimate vision, uh, but while you were in the weeds, losing money, hardly yeah. had boxes, uh, did not have the, the high-tech systems in place, was there a turning point at some point where you're like, wow, you know what, this is actually starting to work? Yeah. Well, really early on in the first, uh, you know, four months, five, five months after we launched, it was a small... I remember I was traveling with with my wife and we were visiting her alma mater, Georgetown, and and, and it was a Saturday morning and, and, you know, we weren't doing that many orders and we had a back-end system where you could check, you know, how many orders were were being fulfilled by Gina. And I remember going to the library, the Georgetown Library, and and going logging into the system and I saw, whoa, there was something like 200 orders that morning or 250 orders, which for us at the time was a lot. Parenting Magazine had had found out about us and had just in a one-sentence blurb mentioned us. And with that very small mention on some you know, page 37 of the magazine, uh, a lot of people responded. And so I think we saw there that, that, that there was some kind of connection we were establishing with customers, even as we didn't have all the logistics set. I think we knew that we had something. Mm-hmm. It did then take you know, another 10, 12, actually another 12 months before we quit our jobs in the summer of 2006 before we got our act together and figured out you know, how we were going to go raise money and yeah. write a business plan. But... I think within those first few months, we saw that, that, that the customers were telling us that they liked what we were doing. Even if, even there was though we a didn't need. It, there was a there need. There was a need. And nobody, nobody was doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. to your point earlier, you know, it's, it's very difficult to do it in any kind of way that generates any type of return. What was your family life like at the time? Uh, you had just recently gotten married, but any kids in the picture? 
I had my first kid in 2000 and the second kid in 2003. So in 2005, I had two little kids, basically. And uh, I got married in 2003 when the idea was born. But in 2005, my first child was born. So within a few months of launch, my first child was born. So we were able to use the service. Oh, I heard somewhere one yeah. of you used cloth, cloth diapers and had trouble finding cloth diapers. Is that is that a myth? Oh, I think that's a I think myth. That's a myth. Uh, <laughs> that's a myth. <laughs> yeah. We didn't use cloth diapers. So you are the role model for you know successfully scaling a specialized commodity business. Um, but other companies before you have have failed. There's you know Pet.com which is Mm -hmm. like the poster child of failure and from the internet era. Why do you think, what did you do well that other companies before you did not do well, do you think? I think first, we had a a very long-term strategy. That long-term strategy was was predicated on building relationship with the commodity consumables, uh, recognizing that we weren't going to make money on those consumables, that we would make money off the relationship and selling the high-margin goods. So it was a long-term strategy that required a lot of capital. So it's... you know, I think a lot of these businesses probably would have worked. The idea was a little bit before their time, and they probably were undercapitalized. And second is that we did um, we did not hire our first employee until March of 2007. So for two years um, after launch, we continued to invest aggressively in building the technology, the infrastructure, and the back-end systems. So it wasn't like most businesses, marketing revenue-led. We really knew that it was there, there wasn't going to be time later to figure that out. That we had to be absolutely the most efficient, you know, from day one. So you really focused on the back end first, and uh, you knew that like the the small margin products were kind of the Trojan heart, horse for the business. Exactly. You're still not making money from selling diapers, right, but you're right. making money from selling clothes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think this is a good point, which is um, those first two years we were building the infrastructure, but we didn't hire our first employees. Mark said, and we didn't go out and raise capital outside of friends and family until also basically uh, fall of 2006. So when we went out to go raise capital, we had 18 months of history. We had a model. We could do reasonable projections. And then I think maybe what was most important for the next several years thereafter was we hit our numbers every month. And that was with, big. with hitting our numbers every month, we built a lot of trust with our investors. We could then ask for more money to invest more in marketing or to make other investments in CapEx or to open up the warehouses. At hitting. the end of the day, if you really want to pick one thing, it was just that. Because yeah. without the capital, we wouldn't be here today, especially in a business that had sort of started with negative gross margins. To get capital is a very challenging in that environment. So the only way we were able to do that was we kept doing exactly what we said. Here's the long-term plan. This is step one, and we hit it. This is step two, and we hit it. Incidentally, this is this is a side, but I, I'm sitting here in front of you guys, and just you seem like two characters from like The Office or something. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound very. Which characters now? It, it, it's ca- <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I'll take well, that. you just seem very un- like two very unlikely guys to be starting a highly intensive <laughs> logistical company. <laughs> Yeah, know. no, I, you can take yeah, that. a compliment, Mark. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are, you, are you surprised, uh, ultimately, that this is the type of company and the type of field that you have really um, honed in on? I mean, because now you have a number of e-commerce uh, companies, yeah. uh, from diapers.com to yo-yo and et cetera. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm well, not necessarily surprised. I, mean, I think a lot of our business is certainly the logistics and the technology, but at its core, 
It is about this customer, this mom that Mark was describing earlier that we focused on. There's all these little things, whether it's in our customer service department or in the way we organize our website or how we name our, our companies or in the advertising campaigns that we try to do that have some humor um, and just making sure the experience is simple. So there's a lot of emotion that we try to bring to our brands uh, in addition to the, to the logistics. And, um, and I think we hired really well. You mentioned uh, humor. Uh, the tagline for diapers.com is we deliver everything but the baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Who came up with that? I don't know. Did we? Uh, did you hire? Did you oh yeah, Mark, Mark yeah, came up with me. it. Mark came. <laughs> Mark, Mark yeah. got it. There's Mark so many things it. we've come up with. Did you forget yeah. who come up with what? Well, we have another one too, which is because uh, we don't have it on the website. It's on our T-shirts, which is uh, we're number one and number two. Mm. So yeah. I think that one. Sometimes, sometimes I'll wear that T-shirt on the streets and people yeah, I mean, like that. Yeah. One. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Mark Laurie and Vinit Barrara, co-founders of the e-commerce company Quitsy. Quitsy is the parent company for sites including Diapers.com, a baby products retailer, Wag.com, which focuses on pet products, Soap.com, specializing in cleaning supplies, and Yoyo.com, an online toy retailer. And uh, you said that comment before about us being two characters from the office. I think we're just real, you know. And uh, I think the company itself um, is 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 like that. And those are the kind of people that we look to hire. We spend a lot of time. Uh, when we interview folks, more so probably than anyone else, mm-hmm. figuring out whether or not we're going to get along with them, whether they're going to treat people really well. And there's that. one question we ask, and, and it's the only question that we ask, that if you don't answer it correctly, don't get the job. And we Are you going to give it away? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> i, I got to give it to him. Right? Give it to him. Um, would you rather be perceived in the workforce if you had a choice? I can only pick one of these. Perceived in the workforce as being a super smart asshole oh. or... Or a super nice idiot. Oh, come on, guys. Is it easy? It's easy? Of course. Wow. So maybe, uh, well, what's the answer? B. Did she answer it right? Yeah, she got it right. <laughs> Come on. She, no, well, we, lots of people don't, lots answer, of people that don't answer it that wow. way. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Just remember, you are then being perceived of as, a, as an idiot. Like, it's not like, you know, sort of, you know, yeah. right, no, like right, just right. completely, right. you know, dumb. Super nice right. idiot. Some people answer incorrectly, but there are a lot of people that struggle, hmm. really struggle with it. They just, struggle with it and, and that kind of tells you something too so so uh back to 2007 you changed your name from 1-800-DIAPERS uh, to finally diapers.com uh, what is the story behind that how did you ultimately buy the url yeah it wasn't it wasn't easy the guy that they had it obviously didn't want to sell it for a long time we made some big offers really wasn't responding so at the end of the day we looked to our advisor and board member lynn lodish who's uh uh, professor at Wharton Business School, and uh, he wrote a letter on Wharton letterhead from him from presenting the offer and sent it FedEx. And it wasn't until that happened that the guy actually responded to the offer and we were able to negotiate a, a price. What? How much was it? Are we talking hundreds of thousands of yeah, dollars? Yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to talk about raising capital. You had, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars of seed capital initially. Is that from, you know, your 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 father who was buying uh, uh, diapers? Yeah, on his credit card, or we self-funded a lot of it, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and we obviously, and then we got some funding from friends and family. But we did self-fund a lot of it as well. What was the experience like uh, with with venture capitalists? Uh, ultimately, you raised about seventy million dollars from firms including NEA. New Enterprise Associates uh, and Bessemer. Are there any interesting anecdotes there? Well, let's What's just there? say it it, uh, it got easier each round. <laughs> the first round was very very challenging. Like this was right. at the end of two thousand and six. 
Um, we weren't able to get any of the really big VCs, so Bessemer, Excel, and NEA came in in the BC and D rounds. Uh, the A round was really challenging, so we wind up uh, looking to a lot of the angel investors that supported us at thepit.com. Uh, we sort of pieced that $4 million together. One of the things I do remember uh, was uh, it was definitely easy, um, easier later, except for 2008, after the meltdown. Oh, yeah, after Excel. the meltdown in 08, yeah. So we had a term sheet. We're ready to go. Uh, we were doing the diligence, and every day, you know, the, the, the market was, was, was down 100 points, down 200 points. And at some point, you know, we just didn't know whether the deal was going to close. And to Excel's credit, actually, and Samir Gandhi, who was, who was uh, on our board, um, you know, he honored the commitment because who knew what was going to happen at that point just in terms of the economy. Um, but until you actually, the, the money's in the bank, uh, you don't know whether that deal is going to close, and so he was West Coast time, and they were just they were just sort of dilly dallying at the end with sort of some signatures and stuff, and and I think the wiring deadline was three o'clock, right? Three yep, o'clock yep. Pacific time, and you know, and it was two fifty five, and we thought, you know, is money's going to come in, money's going to come in, money's coming in, and we were calling them, and 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 at some point it's like, you know, why don't we just wire the money tomorrow? I remember, remember yeah, saying, yeah. <laughs> we're like, no, no, you got you to wire it today, no, you got to wire it today. It's it's nerve wracking. You know, because you'd hear stories about people, you know, pulling the plug, even when you thought the deal was done. I want to switch gears. I want to I want to talk about Amazon. You have been obsessed uh, with Jeff Bezos and, and Amazon. They've been, you know, both a role model and a fierce competitor up until they bought you in 2010. And one example of your kind of hyper focus on them is one of you has read every 10K uh, since 1996. Well, I think they were, I mean... You know, a decade ahead of us in terms of when they started that business. So there were a lot of learnings for us. Reading those 10Ks was, was incredibly valuable. As we read 10Ks of other retailers in the space, Toys R Us and Walmart and stuff, really just trying to understand the retail space. We, neither one of us had any retail experience uh, at all. I remember one letter to shareholders. He writes these great uh, letters to shareholders every year, and he, I think, personally pens them. And um, w- one of them that we referred to often is, you know, they're a very analytical company as we are, very data-driven, uh, do a lot of things uh, based on the math of, of what makes sense. But there are certain decisions, and in his example that he gives in his letter, he's talking about prices. And in every price test that they did, a short-term price test, you know, it never paid to mm. cut prices. But then at times, you, know, you just have to use judgment. And uh, those are the hard decisions, uh, the ones where you can't, you can't solve with math. And I think we also, you know, sort of that was something that I at least, and Mark and I have sort of mm-hmm. taken to heart too, which is we're an incredibly analytical uh, company, but there's all of these decisions along the way that are very judgment-oriented, that you're not going to be able to use math. You just kind of have to use your instincts. What's one really good example? I think the colored boxes that we send out. For example, soap.com. If you ever to order from soap, it's basically the outer corrugate box that goes to UPS is blue, green, red, and I think orange on each of the four sides. Full color box. It costs probably an extra thirty cents to put that in color versus just a brown corrugate. Um, but we believe in the power of marketing and those boxes sitting in the lobbies of New York City apartments and things. I mean, the way we approach customer service itself, which is. You know, we have a we invest a lot in it. It's expensive. Handwritten and, notes yeah, too. Handwritten we send notes. out about two hundred handwritten notes per day mm-hmm. out to customers. You know, any customer that has, you know, a bad experience or complaint or things, and the customer service representatives will take the time to do that. You know, ultimately, you were very focused on Amazon throughout the the uh, the whole period leading up to their their purchase. And at one point, they started paying attention to you. How did you know that they started paying attention to you? Just to look at their prices. Yeah, I think that's what happened, yeah. 
I think, you know, they, they um, uh, you could just tell by looking at the prices. But then they launched Amazon Mom, I think, in 2010. 2009, I, I forget the years now, 2009. 30% off diapers. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, we could tell at that point that, that yeah, there was a, you know, big player in the space. There was always a big player in the space, but it was going to be, you know, a little bit more challenging with, with those kinds of prices. And when that started happening, were you like, let's put on the boxing gloves, or what was your emotional reaction to that? Well, I think that the, the good thing, and even today, is that our customers, you know, we're not necessarily competing over the same customers. You know, we're different businesses. You know, I think there was certainly obviously some concern, but but we were pretty resilient, you know, and I think what happened after that was, was I think, a testament to what we had built uh, and also the differentiation that we had created from Amazon and a lot of the other folks in the marketplace is that we were okay. How did Amazon first approach you to buy you? That's something we probably can't discuss, right? The specifics of that? Right. Just the whole process, I mean, because... What is so uh, 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 secretive of, about that? Like, uh, if we told you, then they... you'd know. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's a small world, actually, and there were introductions made, you know, from people who knew each other on our board and and who were on their management team, and, and that was sort of the early early discussions. Uh, and then I think lots of different things happened. I think just to put it put it that way, in two thousand and ten. Lots of different things. What do you mean? Probably can't get into all the details of how that whole the whole process, but. Okay. I think it's safe to say it was your very unique circumstances that if we told you, you'd get it. So I think it's it's just one of those things that we don't know how to do it because it's very unique, it's confidential, and it's just it's difficult to uh, to share. Okay, I respect that. <laughs> it oh. would be fun. It'd be fun to tell you this. It's a great story. It's a great story. So we have some time left. Uh, is there anything that I haven't asked that you think would be very that would be interesting uh, to talk about? Any interesting anecdotes, such as how Amazon came to acquire you? <laughs> <laughs> what impact, if any, do do your wives or the women in your life have on on your on the business? Well, Mark's sister, her name is Brooke, and Brooke is very <laughs> very famous uh, with all the Quitty employees because Brooke will tell us and Mark, and then Mark will tell everybody else anytime, any product, anywhere on any of the websites is out of stock. And any description that's Very, wrong, and any picture yeah, that's wrong. I mean, and Mark's any... sister, when Mark starts off with, I was talking to my sister, you know, something, <laughs> bad, is gonna, something bad is next. So my wife, uh, probably unpopular, actually, with the rest of our employees, because usually it's a, it's a, it's a uh, you know, constructive criticism about what we could be doing better, or I couldn't find this, or just some sort of, you know, gentle uh, improvement that we can be making. Now what's an example? For example... It was my uh, kid's birthday the other day, and he wanted a certain type of car. And you know, our objective and our mission at Yo-Yo, which is our toy store, is to carry everything. And so I will say, you know, but we're not there yet. And so I'll say, I'll say, hey guys, you know, I just have to let you know that for you know, I'm one of the founders of this company, but but I had to go to Amazon <laughs> to mm-hmm. buy, you know, my son's birthday gift. But I'll refer to this. I'll say, you know, my wife, you know, she's she's checking Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or some other site, you know, uh, as opposed to Yo-Yo. Vinny, I'm just curious. Like, your parents, are they immigrants? Yes. Where Where are your parents from? So my parents uh, are from India, from the northern part of India. They came... From Punjab? They're, they're, they're actually, yeah, from the Punjab area. They were, they were in what was previously Pakistan, so 1947. My dad and my mom actually emigrated to the Indian side you know, during the riots and, and then came over, uh, went to the, London and then to the U.S. But with, you know, we, we talk a lot about risk and, and where our backgrounds and why we started this company. And interestingly enough, you know, my parents... Um, Sometimes you know think that we shouldn't take all these risks or shouldn't start these companies, and but the risks that they took were way more challenging and way more substantial than what we did by quitting our jobs. 
my parents' story, as so many immigrant stories, uh, is, is probably part of how I approach life and, and risk and why we decided to do what we do. What role do your parents play in the company now, if any? Well, my dad will definitely Google every, uh, you know, he's Googling my brother too. He's, he Googles us, Googles our company and likes to read all this stuff. But, uh, you know, unlike our wives, he, he doesn't really give any advice about how to run it, but he likes to, <laughs> he likes to read about it all the time. I know that. Your brother, did he start a company? No. Uh, he's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And so, um, you know, he's in, he's in the press quite often as well. And so my dad always loves to read about him too. Well, thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Great. Thanks a lot. My guests have been Mark Laurie and Vinnie Barrara, co-founders of Diapers.com. Coming up, we'll meet Lyndon Rive, co-founder of Solar City. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. From Scratch.